Welcome to episode 38 of the Knit British podcast. Knit British loves to support wool that's been grown, spun or dyed in the UK and on this journey, looking at all the connections of Britishness in wool and knitting, I am your host, Louise Scully. In this episode, I'll be having a little look back at the In The Loop conference that was held in Glasgow. I have a wool shop shout out for Chopped Ginger, a brand new wool project that's going to have your knit British senses all of a tingle. I also have a look at their single flock double knit Wensleydale yarn. I also have an autumn pattern pick, retreat news and a little sneaky peek of the next knit British cow that will have us all going on a journey of woolly discovery as a community. All that and much more, so why don't you grab a drink, grab your whip and let's get going. Knit British is delighted to be sponsored by Brit Yarn. Brit Yarn stocks an amazing range of British wool from Blacker to Wensleydale Longwool Sheep Shop, West Yorkshire Spinners, Chilla Valley Alpaca and from dyers such as Eden Cottage Yarns, The Knitting Goddess and an exclusive range from Yarns from the Plain. To celebrate and share in a love of British wool, head to brityarn.co.uk or click the logo in the show notes. Hello and welcome back to Knit British and a big hello if you are joining me for the first time. It's lovely to have you here and lovely to be back again. I definitely feel back in the loop, so to speak, after a little break. And thank you very much for your feedback and kind messages since the last podcast, as ever. Thank you very much for that. What has been happening since the last time I spoke to you? Well, it's been a busy old time and continues to be. September is going to be a, a bit of a busy old month for Knit British. In fact, I'm planning to podcast every week of this month because there's just so much to, to pack in. Lots of exciting things. It's a busy old time to come and it's been a busy old time and last week I was at the In The Loop conference in Glasgow. Um, I'll talk a little bit about that later on and needless to say I have come back from that feeling totally buzzing on all things knit, knit history, knit past, present and future and questions of sustainability and authenticity arising from that swimming around in my head and I think you can probably expect a few blog posts to come on those topics in the near future. So all that's been at the forefront of my mind and I know that knitting has been at the forefront um, of many of your minds. Well when isn't it let's face it but there are things afoot aren't there? There's the great London yarn crawl which is happening this weekend. And there is Yarndale, which is coming up at the end of the month. And of course, there's other things like the Massam Wool Fair and Shetland Wool Week. And I know lots of you are planning to go to those events. It seems to be not quite the end of the wool event season. I suppose Yarndale and Shetland Wool Week and things like that are sort of the drawing to the end of the of the woolly events calendar. What are you planning? Are you going to Yarndale? Are you crawling in London this weekend? Are you planning to go to Shetland Wool Week? Tell us all about it. Let us know what you're up to. I know that quite a few of you will be in London this weekend, gearing up for the getting ready for the Great London Yarn Crawl. I know my podcast in Mocha Shiny Bees is going to be at the uh, fantastic marketplace she's going to be working on the p-hop stand and um, generally schmoozing and being fantastic which of course she is and we all need to watch out on the i think it's the 12th of september uh, on the uk podcast awards because very proud of my mucker she is up for two awards 
at the UK Podcaster Awards. One of them is the most engaged audience. And I know that's a lot of you guys because we share our audience. And she's up for the best podcast in the games and hobbies section. So that is rather exciting. And I know that the voting is closed now. I had it in the Knit British Ravelry group and tweeted the shit out of it. Um, (laughs) She truly deserves to win. I know a lot of you love her podcast for that knitting comedy and yarn in equal measures and what you see with Joe is what you get so I really hope that she wins um, both of those awards because and one of them really is is an award for the audience <laughs> so she gets to take that home on behalf of them how fantastic is that that was a huge digression Joe is going to be at at the great London yarn crawl my girl Jess from ginger twist is going to be at the marketplace amongst others it's a fantastic marketplace there are no tickets left for the actual actual crawling part of the great london yarn crawl but there are tickets for the marketplace i think that tickets are 10 pounds on the door on the day and the marketplace is raising funds for refuge so do you know what not only are you going to be doing your stash enhancing at the marketplace, you're going to be doing a good deed, so that's that's kind of lovely. So the pop-up marketplace opens to the public from noon, and that's open till 7 p.m. There's going to be two workshops by Kate Atherley on knit design and pattern writing. Uh, I think that, that that's on the Sunday, and there's going to be an indie designer spotlight uh, that's going to be featuring Boo Knits, Kate Atherley, Louisa Bangham, Rennie Callahan, and Helen Stewart. And there's going to be 40 vendors, which is is brilliant. It's just fantastic. So if you uh, are in London, if you missed out uh, on tickets for the crawl, but you still want to take part, it's all happening this weekend in London. The marketplace is in the Chelsea Old Town Hall and... I am jealous, you guys. I have the FOMO. You can visit Baramu there, Coop Knits, Eden Cottage Yarns are going to be there, the Fibre Company are going to be there, Ginger Twist, as I said, is going to be there, John Arbin, Kettle Yarn Company, Knit Sonic, my woolly mucker, she's going to be there, Yarn Gardener are going to be there, my lovely George and Louise, who always have some fantastic British wools. So if you're looking for British wool, check them out triskelion yarn and fiber are going to be there another fantastic hand dyer skin queen pop up quarterly are going to be there it's looking fantastic as i say i have got the fomo definitely want to be there next year i think it's just brilliant a huge well done to Alison and Rachel who are organising this event again and have a tremendous time, every single one of you. And as I say, if you're anywhere near London, do pop along to that marketplace this weekend for some fantastic yarn squishing and raising a little bit of money for charity too. I was in Glasgow last week for the In The Loop conference. Now this, you'll have heard me talk about this before. I've certainly blogged about it before. This is a conference which is run by the Knit and Reference Library in association with the University of Southampton. But this year it was organised by uh, Glasgow University's Knitting in the Round project and was hosted at Glasgow University. Uh, the theme of the conference was crafty couture and core themes rising out of that uh, were of authenticity and sustainability. And I can't tell you about the whole conference because I might be here for days upon end. Um, but I did want to tell you about a couple of the things that really uh, stood out for me, of which there was a lot. <laughs> My brain cogs were really sparked into... Uh, into action really I went home every night just thinking about what I'd heard and what I'd seen and and yeah it was it was a really enriching experience one of the 
standout papers for me was by Jade Halbert on knitting in Easter House in, in Glasgow in uh, from 79 to 84. Easter House, if you're not familiar with it, is a suburb of Glasgow which has sort of been a byword for social deprivation for many years. During the late 70s and early 80s, Jade's two aunts and her mother all worked uh, as home knitters to supplement their income. Her two aunts machine knitted mostly acrylic jumpers and they sold it in the Easter House area to their neighbours and um, things. They weren't working to a manufacturer or... Um, or anything and apparently this was not uncommon in the area as the local high school organised machine knit classes for women uh, who were looking to earn extra money and Jade had actually said at one point she thought there were more than a hundred women knitting like this in that area um, at one time which is quite quite interesting. She said that neither of her aunts knitted for for pleasure unlike her mother and her mother still knits and for her mother knitting is a creative process and she sort of sort of says that her mother calls herself a mad knitter after being made redundant from her job was uh, decided to answer an advert in the paper to do hand knitting for a local designer and she made a jumper a week for a des- this designer store in Glasgow she was paid 15 pounds for a jumper that retailed at £150. And she could do it and, um, you know, could could do a jumper a week, but eventually found knitting to order and in that way sort of flew in the face of, of the creative side. And, and she didn't continue to, to work, you know, knit for work, but she still knits today. Um, and her aunts don't knit anymore for work and don't knit... Uh, now, um, I couldn't help draw comparisons between the piecework and machine knitting for money in, in Shetland um, as a comparison in my own family history. Um, you know, having women in my family haven't done this. Um, and, you know, things like the aunts, knitting meant money. It wasn't a pleasurable thing, which I... You know, I see that, saw that in my mum and my my nanny. I I absolutely find it fascinating, um, especially the the contrast of wages for machine knitting, which was I, I can't quite remember the numbers, but um, for the yarn that you know the yarn that they were buying, her aunt could buy a huge cone of acrylic for three pounds fifty and get maybe four Burns jumpers out of it and sell them for five pound each. Or maybe it wasn't as much as five pounds, possibly, but you know, three pounds. And then, of course, that juxtaposed with hand knitting something, being paid fifteen pounds for it, but that taken away from your pleasure of knitting. Really interesting, and as I say, it'd be interesting to see some comparison done with knitting for work in different areas of the UK at the same time. Helen Robertson from Shetland talked about her inspiration uh, from Shetland when designing jewellery. And she also talked about designing for the landscape with her wire lace knitting on fences in the Henty Laggett's project where she, on an abandoned croft, she knitted panels in fences and also lace panels in the windows of a ruined croft building. And I can remember... This project has been spoken about in Shetland, maybe in the local paper, but I can't remember ever seeing pictures of it, and it's stunning. The traditional lace work that she's done in wire, on the fences and in the building, were just amazing. And she was saying that you will all probably know of the knitted fence in Shetland, and a visitor to this project was inspired by that, and um, her fence that was knitted in um, rope is still standing and Helen joked that it didn't take long for the wire um, in the natural landscape and climate to um, be ripped to shreds so it's no longer there I don't think but um, but it was just so interesting and she talks so 
enthusiastically about her inspirations and I was really interested to know because the this this landscape project had been something that she wanted to do and then shelved but she said that it was always there she needed to do it and I loved I loved how the inspiration from the Shetland landscape needled at her in a way it was sort of saying that like you know always reminding her of it she could do something with it and um, work with what was there and so I was really interested to know what was coming up next but she couldn't say because uh, a lot of it was um, a very excitingly secret but maybe I'll catch up with her at Shetland Wool Week because it would be lovely for her to speak to you about her inspirations and I can already feel my my tongue relaxing into the Shetland dialect while I speak about this it's to- I to- when I said this before it's totally it's like autocorrect it just happens <laughs> um, I was just blown away by by Helen's talk and her jewellery is exquisite and she has a website which I'll put the link to in the show notes I've actually mentioned this on the blog before so I'll link to that too you can see her fantastic range which uh, ranges from uh, knitted lace earrings and cuffs and wedding jewellery to fantastic earrings that say things like knit pearl, warp weft, knit spin, k2 tog, p2 tog, all that kind of stuff. It's brilliant. I love it. She's just got such a such a range and she loves working to commissions too. So if you have something in particular, then you should get in touch with her because she is fantastic and so, so talented. Another talk that I was really interested in is the Kruis project which is Krimp in Norwegian and this uh, these are two ladies who have mounted a campaign to seek to improve the market for the value of Norwegian wool and look at any opportunities to promote it as a sustainable product for the fashion sector too and Look at ways in which the project can promote the connection between wool and the finished project, uh, the finished product. Um, and also ask consumers what they think about where their clothes f- come from. And the campaigns just started and they spoke so passionately about Norwegian wool and how in recent years the yarn of choice for knitting in Norway has become alpaca. And alpaca... Well, as we know, it's lovely, it's warm, it's fantastic. It doesn't hold its shape for very long. It's got no memory, unlike the spelsa wool, the Norwegian sheep wool, which traditional Norwegian garments were made out of and which people um, still have to this day. The fantastic Anamor Sumbo did uh, a talk about the Sedstal sweaters, the black and white Norwegian sweaters, um, which were knit from the white wool of the white Spelsa sheep and the black wool of the black Spelsa sheep. And these sweaters have lasted a generation, but in recent years trend has been for softer, softer wools, which as we know and we've talked about, I talk about quite a lot, Soft, 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 soft yarns are fantastic, but they might not have the longevity that you want from your garments. And they also grow quite considerably um, once you've knitted with them. Um, this was a, this is a fantastic campaign and I will try and find a link that's in English um, that I can put on the website. I, as I say, they've just started and they're looking to sort of Work in the same way with the work that's been done to promote local food in Norway. And because, you know, the textiles feeds into that same model, really. And one of the the speakers, Ingen, she was wearing a fantastic dress. And this dress was crocheted out of the Spelsa wool, which has natural pigmentation. Because I I actually thought about this when Anamore was giving her talk about the white, white Spelsa sheep and the black black spelsa sheep and I thought there must be spelsa with natural pigmentations like you get in Shetland different markings and I'd thought about it then and then the next day that this talk from these ladies came and and Ingen said that recent until very recently and I'd like to know how recently Norwegian wool that had natural pigmentation was you know it was it was burned buried it was used as insulation it was never used in the fashion clothing industry it wasn't used for knitting wool it just wasn't used and 
this is all part of the project is to say, well, hey, you know, we can dye this. Or if, it, if you don't want white, white or dark, dark, then, you know, here's another option. And it's fantastic. And I love to talk to them. Um, maybe even for November, how fantastic would that be to find out more about the work that they're doing? There were just so many fantastic talks. Um, there was talks on community from the lovely Alison Main and there was talks on gender and talks on thrift and sustainability and um, Tom of Holland um, gave a talk on darning and it really was food for thought, I can't tell you. And um, In the Loop 5 is being organised. It looks like it might be at the Winchester School of Art. Uh, I don't know when, possibly 2017. If you can get to it, I, I, I urge you to go. I really do, because if you're anyways interested in your craft, in the people involved with it, in the past, present and the future, it's so interesting. And you can't go to very many conferences where you can hear the clicking of many pairs of needles while you listen to some fantastically interesting and enriching presentations. Who else has their attentions turned towards warmer knit? Me, definitely, because I always associate September with feelings of back to school or uni, which I am at neither, uh, but I... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I still associate it with, with back to school. I think of new coats, new shoes, woolly tights, feeling warmer, making soup, all those kind of things. It doesn't matter if we have the most blazing hot Indian summer in September. I still think of all those things. And this week, a gorgeous pattern appeared on my Ravelry highlights page, which fed my, my autumn needs and my need for squishy garter it's the evermond shawl by afia uh, who is km bedigan this is an elongated triangle shaped shawl with garter stitch yay uh, short row shaping and brioche ribbon and there are four color sections alternating two colors alternating of the corrugated rib and between that are squishy garter sections and a really lovely striped detail with those two colours and the main colour in the last few rows. And I love it. It looks so warm and I reckon it would actually free up a few skeins from your stash, especially for that colour brioche. I actually thought it would be awesome to make a gradient yarn uh, with odds and ends or a natural gradient would be even better. If, I don't know if you're aware uh, of the Clara Parks magic ball method. <laughs> um, if you've not heard of it, I'll put a link in the show notes. But it's a brilliant way of using up le little leftovers and making one big ball of yarn from lots of lo little odds and ends. And actually, my November mucker Felix Ford made a magic ball hap um, for the hap along. I think actually natural sheepy shades would look gorgeous and I have a lot of natural sheepy shades that I could make a nice magic ball out of and actually you know what there is no better gradient than natural sheepy shades um, but I also have a lot of colourful ends too so maybe I could make two. It does come in a small and a large size so maybe I could I could make oh, look, look at me the hopelessly overcommitted <laughs> Evermond costs £4 for the pattern. As I say, it comes in small and large and it's available via Ravelry and it is gorgeous. <laughs> the Tour of British Fleece kicks off on Sunday and it coincides with the Tour of Britain. Now, you would have heard me talking about this last time on the podcast and since then, the Ravelry group has grown to a Twitter account, an Instagram account, a Facebook group, and also they have their own website. Now, you can either spin any kind of fluff or fleece each day of the cycle race of the Tour of Britain, or you can spin a breed which is local to each location on the leg, every leg of the tour. And there are, there are people who are really up for doing that, up for the challenge. But there are no hard and fast rules. It's very much a, a 
spin in, join in, spin in, um, have fun kind of a group. Uh, as I say, it's the Tour of British Fleece group has grown quite a wee community and you can find them as Tour of Brit Fleece on Twitter and Instagram. Their website is tourofbritishfleece.weebly.com. There's some fantastic pictures on there. I have various prepared fluff in bats and braids that I'm going to spin and I'm just going to aim to spin a little bit every day. I'm not going to um, even decide beforehand what I'm going to spin. I'm just going to try and spin some of this fluff that I have. And I was looking at the, all the tiny little tiny little mini skeins that I've spun and, and think it's really sad that I should really make some healthier skeins out of that fluff. So that's what I'm going to do. Remember to use the hashtag Tour of British Fleece, whatever you're doing, um, uh, if you're chatting about it on social media. And have a wee look in the Ravelry group, because I know that there are some meetups organised and some spinning sessions while the tour is going through various locations. Um, so that's the Tour of British Fleece. I think last episode I was telling you that I have been working on a few little secret plans over here at Knit British HQ. And one of them I can tell you about now. I can only give you some very brief woolly details though. As you know, this year at Knit British, my sort of buzzword for the year has been focus. And one of the things that I wanted to bring into focus for the whole of Knit British, extending out to you and the Knit British community is the idea that we need to look beyond the initial hand squish grab of a ball of wool and start thinking about the unique characteristics and textures of British breed wool and unique is the is the catchword there. You know, we have over 60 breeds in the UK, native, rare, some are our long-term lodgers, as I like to call them, and they're all different. And some of them are fantastic for knitting. Some of them are fantastic for upholstery. Some of them uh, keep us warm in the insulation of our houses and under our feet. And I think it's about time that we really began to explore what's out there. So I'm going to be launching very soon the Knit British Breed Swatch Along and there are details on the blog. If you go over to www.knitbritish.net there's a post there called Let's Have a Breed Swatch Cal and the idea is, well I'm not going to give you too many details, I, I, perhaps I should just leave it there. No, I'll I'll let you know a little bit more. Um, we're we're gonna do is we're gonna test we're gonna test drive breed yarns and for anybody who was at the the squishing sessions at the Edinburgh Yarn Festival that I held in the podcast lounge, I had the ball of yarn, I had a knitted swatch, I had a knitted swatch that had been washed and blocked, and what a vast difference there was from the initial squish of that ball of yarn to what the fabric became and as we all know if you wash block and repeat knitwear can get even better so let's really look into test driving British breed yarn. I will come back to you with more details soon but I'm really excited about this I've been working on it for a long time now and I have Pinterest boards set up which are secret at the moment. I have stockist lists for you. I have all the details which will be forthcoming. But I must stress that this isn't just knit British. This is knit local too. So while I think that it is really important that we find out as a knitting community and a wool-loving community to really know about our British breed wools. It's also really important to know about what's local to you if if British wool isn't local to you. And so we're going to have a knit British cal, but it's going to be knit local too. So if um, knit, if British wool isn't local to you, spin, knit, crochet, whatever, 
with what is local to you because we want to celebrate all of our local wool industries wherever they may be. So there is more information on this coming. I have had such a great amount of feedback since I posted that sneaky, teasy little post and I know that lots of you are really interested in this and as I said, hinted at before, this is also going to be something that's a compliment to Wovember because Wovember is all about appreciating and celebrating 100% wool and where better to show our love of wool um, by putting putting our reviews and our um, yarny content out there for Wovember too. So much more to come on this but this autumn I invite you to come on over to Knit British. Let's find some breeds that we haven't knit with before, maybe even some that you've avoided in the past because you've thought that's too itchy or that's, I'm not going to like knitting or crocheting with that. Let's find out together what the world of wool has to offer us. So more on this to come. And there is a thread in the Knit British Ravelry group for you to get chatting. One of the things I couldn't tell you about before, because it was a bit secretive, is that I've been asked to give a talk at a knitting retreat next year. It's Jolie's Kitchen Retreat, um, which has been expertly organised by Jolie, who I know a lot of you know because you watch her podcast and her fantastic periscopes. Uh, It's happening in Manchester on the 27th and 28th of February, and there are going to be classes taught by awesome teachers, Kate Atherley, Karina Westerman, Jules Billing, who is the lovely woolen flower, as well as Julie herself, and talks from people like myself. I am absolutely thrilled to be going on this retreat. Um, I'm really, really excited to be taking part. At the moment, the retreat is sold out, but if you head to julieskitchen.com and sign up for the waiting list, then you will be informed if a retreat place becomes available. But more importantly, you will be informed when classes are available to the public. There won't be spots available to the public for all of the classes, but for most of them. And so if you want to be in with the chance of of coming along to some of the classes, then it's a really good idea to sign up for that waiting list now. Classes um, will include, but as I say, not exclusively, all of them will be available to the public. Introduction to pattern design and sizing to fit with Kate Atherley. Knitting for speed and also finishing your knits with jewels. A, a, A mahi workshop and two-handed colour work with Karina Westerman, introduction to tech editing and drop spindling with Jolie. And those are two classes each that they're teaching. That's not just some odd amalgamation like I just made it sound. Um, again, must stress, not all of those classes are going to be available to public to the public, but do sign up for a chance if any of those take your fancy. I'll link to the waiting list so that you can go straight there. And the public spots are just for the classes. There are other things for the retreaters that are just exclusively for the retreaters. And these spots are just for the classes. There are no added retreaty extras. Again, I'm so excited about this. I'm so looking forward to taking part. I just know it's going to be a lot of fun. If you're interested at all, then head over to julieskitchen.com to find out more. I want to tell you about a brand new online wool haven and that is choppedginger.com. Choppedginger.com is a wool project which is the brainchild of the lovely Sarianne who lives in Edinburgh and the idea of the Chopped Ginger Wool project is that she is focusing on British rare and native breed sheep and working with small flock farmers to produce single breed, single flock yarns that really are illustrative of where they come from and 
have a real connection to the sheep and the flock uh, and the location that they that they come from. And I just think this is an utterly fantastic project. I've had been talking to people this week about provenance, and uh, well, no, <laughs> it's a, it's a larger conversation. But one of the things that a lot of people wanted to know about the yarn that they buy is exactly where it comes from. This project seeks to connect you in that way. And I just can't tell you how brilliant I think this is to work one-to-one with farms to produce such a special single flock, single breed yarn and having that yarn spun with a similarly small micro mill. Um, it's the border mill that, that Sarian is working with at the moment. Uh, it's it's incredibly local, incredibly local, incredibly British and incredibly important to raise the profile of these small farms. And I'm sure there are quite a few of you out there already on the edge of your seat wanting to know more. Well, I, I can tell you that the shop went live this week and the first single breed, single flock yarn to go on the website is double knit Wensleydale wool from Farside, which is in Trenent, which is in East Lothian. And on the website, which is choppedginger.com, there is every single piece of information that you could ever wish to know about the farm, the animals, and exactly where this wool comes from, the exact provenance. It says on the website, the far side flock was started by Susan and Ian Brush with their purchase of three black Wensleydale foundation ewes and has grown to include a separate flock of white Wensleydale sheep. The Rare Breed Survival Trust lists Wensleydale sheep as at risk on the register, meaning that there are between 900 and 1500 registered sheep in Britain. Farside Wensleydales are meticulously bred and registered each year with the hope of preserving and growing the breed. The 15th century Farside Castle and estate is also home to a warm blood horse herd which produces a yearly crop of well-bred foals that go on to become successful dressage, show jumping and eventing horses around the world. And there's even more there about origin of the Wensleydale breed and as I say, this is the first of the Chopped Ginger Wool Project yarn breeds to go on the website. There will be more, I'll tell you about that in a moment. In the shop right now, you will find the natural creamy oatmeal coloured Wensleydale, the natural black and the grey. In my hands right now, I have a skein of the black Wensleydale. Now you may have seen, if you were lucky enough and quick enough, that I did a periscope about this yarn, uh, just to let you have a look at what what I'm talking about, because I am an audio podcast, I enjoy this format of podcasting, but it's all well and good for me to be sitting here squishing the yarn and putting up photos in the show notes, but it's quite nice to be, give you an opportunity to see it being squished too. It's double knit. It's 100 grams, 175 meters. And it is so soft. Now, you've heard me talk about Wensleydale before and how I have had several discussions some heated with people who have said that you can't wear Wensleydale long wool next to your skin and I make them try on my lush cardigan or rub it against their face (laughs) because Wensleydale is a fantastic fibre. It's got softness, it's got luster, it's got drape. It's so silky, it's such a fantastic yarn, uh, I think, and spun in the right way. It is unbelievable. And this yarn, this black Wensleydale, is unbelievable. Uh, it's it's softer than any Wensleydale I've worked with. So there you've already heard me, me say my bit about the softness of the fibre. I think because, talking with Sarianne today, I think because the Wensleydale long wool has this halo over it of the 
the longer, thinner fibres. And, you know, that halo knits up onto the, into beautiful fabric, beautiful halo over the knitted fabric. But it, it does, I guess, look like you might look at those long fibres and go, oh my gosh, that looks itchy. I don't even want to touch it. Well, you, you're crazy. <laughs> it's spun beautifully. I think that um, long wool needs special attention to be spun. So it keeps that drape, so it keeps that luster, so it keeps that shine. It's not highly twisted, just I think it's three plied there. Yes, looks three plied. And it's really special. I'm going to try and get some, some pictures to show you. Sarian had a beautiful baby jacket that she's making with the three colours. And um, it's so soft. It's so unbelievably soft. You know, I always say that you should never judge a yarn by the squish. But judge this yarn by the squish because it really is soft. It really is so beautiful against the skin. And when it's washed and blocked, it's going to be incredible. Um, it's such a black black. You know, a lot, lots of sheep breeds that are coloured black or called colour black aren't always a true black, but it's a fantastic charcoal black. I don't have um, time, obviously, to knit with it for this episode to tell you about it, but I will be knitting with this fantastic yarn. When I squish the yarn, it's got the floopy smooshiness. This is definitely one for all you guys who say you need the softest of the soft, but what it's going to do is going to give you a garment that has longevity. I find that when the things I've knitted with in Wensleydale in the past never pill, and I find that it just gets softer and more beautiful with, with age and with time, with every wash. So I'm really looking forward to knitting with this and telling you more about it, possibly during November, because this year at November we're very interested in the small yarn provider. Um, please, please, please go and check out www.choppedginger.com as I say, the Wensleydale is just the first of the single breed, uh, single flock yarns to go into the shop. This yarn is priced at £15 and even more excitedly, very soon you will be able to get an extremely limited edition chopped ginger single breed yarn dyed by Ginger Twist Studios. That's not available yet. It's worth going over to the website and bookmarking it so that you keep chopped ginger in your woolly sights. Let me tell you about some of the other breeds that will be featuring in the chopped ginger shop very soon. There is gonna be Teeswater yarns from a farm in Tunstall. Of course, Teeswater are marked as vulnerable in the rare breed survival trust watch list. There will be Gotland yarn uh, from a Lincolnshire based farm producing pedigree British Gotland sheep which is brilliant and all of their sheep have names and actually if you go to chopginger.com and click on them you will be able to see pictures of every single one of them. And there's going to be Blueface Leicester uh, from from Yorkshire. This is something that at Knit British, a project like this, is absolute music to my ears and or wool to my ears. But I really, really urge you to go and have a little look at chopginger.com and do keep a lookout for those other breed yarns going up in the shop. I'm not quite sure if there is a subscription newsletter for updates just yet, but you can find all the information out at www.choppedginger.com. You can also follow on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much to Sarian for letting me have a fondle of this really special yarn. Congratulations on the opening of your shop this week and I for one look forward to hearing much more from you in the future. Mm -hmm.
it's a new month and that means it's a new yarn of the month at Brit Yarn. Now to celebrate the birthday of Blacker Yarns, the yarn of the month is that fantastic new limited edition Blacker Yarn called Cornish Tin. It's available in four ply and double knit and this is that very limited celebratory yarn that I was telling you about last time. It contains a blend of 10 of the highest quality fibres available to blacker and these are alpaca, mohair, gotland, jacobs, shetland, black welsh mountain, texel, the english merino and falkland merino and a gotland romney cross. I'm going to review this next week and I'm actually knitting with it at the moment. I can honestly say it's an extraordinary yarn and when it's gone, it's gone. So when it launches on the 12th, then I hope you are lined up and ready to buy. It's available in natural shade and for gorgeous complementary shades. And as I say, I'll talk a little bit more about it next week. Brit Yarn are also running a competition all of September that if you buy two or more balls of blacker yarn, you will be entered into a prize draw to win a skein of that special limited edition yarn. And last time I told you that Isla would put some new yarn out on her shelves and it will really appeal to autumn winter knitters. These are three yarns from Chilla Valley Alpaca who are down in Devon. Uh, there's 100% alpaca iron and that's available in two natural shades. And then there's an alpaca which has been blended with Shetland lamb's wool which is a 70-30 mix and that's available in Aran and Chunky. The natural shades are gorgeous. I have already talked today about how fantastic the natural sheepy colours are. And the softness just leaps out of the web page right at you. The yarns cost £13.60 each. Uh, the, the chunky yarn is 100 grams and comes in at 110 metres. And the iron yarns are 140 metres in 100 grams. And if your attentions are turned to knitting warmer items for autumn and winter, you will want to have a wee look at those yarns. Speaking of Brit Yarn leads me nicely on to the Scully Along, but not nicely for me because I've had a woeful progress this week. It's been ridiculous. I'm, I slightly blame it on In The Loop because I didn't want to take a cardigan with me, you know, take a cardigan-sized project with me. But while I was at In The Loop, I saw the beautiful Pat B in her gorgeous Falklands Merino Scully uh, yarn that she bought from Laxton's. It looks stunning on her and every now and again I would see her you know when we're sitting in the conference I would my eye would be drawn to that uh, yoke detail and the softness that of her cardigan it just looked so soft and felt so soft it was gorgeous there have been a few finished objects this week uh, the finished object thread is over in the Knit British Ravelry group. Noir M had a picture of which was a fantastic in motion selfie, uh, <laughs> um, which but cap captured her scully in New Lanark in the Milano colorway perfectly. It's gorgeous. And the lovely Siggy, uh, handmade by Siggy, she's finished hers in Drops Lima, and but she says it's too hot to wear it in Switzerland. So I don't I don't blame you. You keep it for keep it for the cooler weather. Um, I didn't, as I say, I didn't get to do much knitting on mine, but I did get to try on the original Scully at In The Loop. Carrie Westman and I had a wee bit of a cardi swap. Um, she took my lush and I got to try on the Scully. And so I was a Scully in the Scully, or the Scully in the Scully. Um, and the lovely Jenny Reed captured a picture of it with her camera, which I'll put into the show notes. I really liked it, actually. Hers um, had more positive ease than the one that I'm making. But I did think it'd be quite nice to make one with a lot of positive ease because who doesn't love a lovely, you know, cardigan just to throw on, which is the whole reason why Carrie created the pattern in the first place. The, the one thing I did notice, though, and which is something that I've thought of for a while, is that the first two rows of the yoke, that lace pattern, sort of cuts me unflatteringly um, across the bust. So I think I might actually miss out that first row of the yoke detail 
and do the increase decreases um or in, you know the shaping accordingly but yeah i think that's i think that's what i'm gonna do um but i'll have to keep you posted on that bit anyway how's everybody else's scrollies going i can't believe it's september now we've only got about 23 days till left to knit it or oh, i don't know if i'll manage it but i'm really gonna try the chat thread this week uh from friday is in the knit british group so come on over to Ravelry and show us your scholarly progress that is probably more than enough for one episode I have actually more that I want to tell you but it can wait till next week because this month there's going to be a knit British episode every week I think let's say hello to the new kids in the knit British Ravelry group we have Theo Librarian doesn't say where you're from Theo Librarian but hello to you wherever you are Judith 100, who is Judith from Huddersfield. This will do, knitter. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. That's Stephanie from uh, Eugene in the United States. I have never heard of Eugene before. Where is Eugene? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself in the hello thread if you haven't done so already. We've got Brit Knit, who is Tanya from Kirkland in Washington. And um, we've got... Shelty Love, who is Louise from Illinois. And there's Penny Bro, who is Penny from London. Hello to all of you and every single one of you in the Knit British Ravelry group. Let's go over quickly to the hello thread and say hello to Twinkle Mouse. Hi everyone, I'm Emma. I live near Manchester. I'm getting brave now. This is the second group that I've joined this week and the second hello post that I've written. And the last one was over at Brit Yarn. <laughs> Normally, I'm just a lurker. Well, I for one, I'm glad that you luck no longer. Welcome into the Knit British Ravelry group. She continues to say, I returned to knitting about three years ago after originally learning as a child, but then being distracted by other things. I'm trying to tackle slightly more complex things with each project I choose. I've been following the Knit British podcast for just over a year and really enjoying listening. I've learned a lot in that time I've been listening and it's helped me realise that I should be making better choices in the yarn that I buy. There is so much choice out there and some really beautiful products to work with. I decided to pluck up the courage and join my first cal, so I'm attempting the scholarly cardigan. I'm a bit late to the party as I only cast on last weekend but realised I needed something to wear as I'm headed to Yarndale in September. My usual timescale for jumpers and cardigans is a bit longer than the four weeks I've given myself, so I'm currently trying to build up as much knitting time as possible into every day. Twinkle Mouse, as I say, I'm so glad you're not a lurker anymore. Welcome into the Knit British Ravelry group and to your first cal. And welcome to anyone else who's joined the group recently and who's lurking. Uh, do take the plunge and say hello. So I will be back next week going to have that Cornish tin review for you and a wee celebration uh, for Blacker Yarns' 10th anniversary. All this and more, much more, in fact, in the coming weeks, uh, specifically on the 18th of September, I'm going to have a party. I'm going to have a tea party. So those of you who haven't already been in the tea plus cake plus knitting equals happy thread in the Knit British group. Get over there and tell me what your favourite hot drink and cake combo is to accompany a fantastic knitting session. And I'm going to read them out with my special guests, who I'll keep that a secret for another week yet. Um, and we're, 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 we'll all have a tea party together, a virtual tea party. This is also serves a, a timely reminder to uh, anyone who is taking part in the hot drink and recipe swap in the Knit British group. Obviously the sign-ups are closed now and you must post out your parcel by Monday the 7th of September. Don't make me come out there and shout. Um, <laughs> I, know some, I know some people have received their parcels already and they're fantastic and mine went off in the post today to Emma1969. I hope it gets there intact. Anyway... All good things must come to an end and I need to go and do some knitting. So take good care and we'll chat next week. Bye for now.